Last evening, my wife and I took tickets at TCA. There was a play there. Um, we didn't see the play. Um, we left after we were finished uh, taking in the tickets that people had ordered to see the play. And as I was uh, reflecting on the message again this morning, uh, it reminded me of that exercise last night. People would come to us and then uh, we would say, what's your name, your last name? And then we would just look at the list of names and say, okay, the Andersons, you know, um, you're there. And we would sign, uh, we, we would uh, we, we record that, that they were there. Um, the Book of Life, um, you need to be in it. Because there's the books that are going to be opened and all of you are in it. So with the book of life, it's a question maybe, but with the, the book that presents us with all that all humanity has ever done, there's not a name missing. Sometimes when we had folk come to us, uh, they would say, uh, well, we ordered it, we think under the name such and such, and then I looked and it wasn't there. Um, but then they would give another name and lo and behold, uh, it was all taken care of. But don't be in any doubt about the books that have recorded all things that we have ever done and said and even thought. Uh, no one is excluded. Um, and so we're going to focus our attention on this portion of this, uh, one of the final chapters uh, in the book of Revelation that uh, are really the chapters of um, exaltation, of victory, of conquest. Um, but it is good for us to realize that all of history is moving towards the great end. And for the Christian, the great end is not so much the day of judgment, but it is the day when Christ returns and through the judgment presents us with all that he is right now preparing for us who are his own. But nevertheless, we are given a very sober assessment here of what is yet to come. And so I want to look with you at this uh, passage um, this morning and... Um, I miss it. Can I have somebody's bulletin? Because a portion of it is, uh, thank you very much. Yes. Um, so the theme of the message this morning is, at the final judgment, all people will be judged by their works. And that means all people will be judged by their works. We're looking at the supreme judge who is uh, referenced for us, in the not so much described, but, but simply stated. The single standard upon which this judgment takes place and the solemn finality of it. So the day of judgment is coming. All of history comes to a conclusion. Um, we live in a world that is um, uh, temporal. Um, it is earthly. It, it, it must come to an end because we live in a fallen world. Um, had Adam and Eve not sinned against the Lord, had in Adam the human, human race that followed them uh, maintained their righteousness that we were originally created with, uh, things would have been different. But as it is, we live in a fallen world, a broken world, and it cries out for redemption, doesn't it? Um, we have uh, been witnesses of the brokenness of life in our own selves, in the communities where we live. The brother in the back told me that his poor mother, living a few blocks away from here, they both heard gunshots last night that's a scary thing especially when you're a little bit older 
Um, we live in a broken world. And uh, we very much need a new world. Uh, not an improved world, um, but a, a new, a totally new world. Um, that doesn't mean that there is not going to be any continuity between what is old and the new. Uh, we get that sense of the book of Isaiah, for example, uh, the things that are of the created order that God made beautifully and very well. There's a sense in which that will continue. But the newness that we are longing for is, of course, that sin is no longer, death is no longer part of, uh, live, of life and existence in this world. And so it takes the crisis of the final judgment to bring that about. So the judgment is necessary. We must go through it. But um, it is a, a judgment that stands under the auspices of the one and only supreme great judge. And as far as I am concerned, I want it to be that way. I don't want my government to judge me. I don't want you to judge me. And you don't want me to judge you. We want the supreme God of the universe, who is flawless in all his character and all his attributes. He is the one who is true to himself. And he is the one who has the right, the divine right, to open the books that include all of our names and to judge us um, as he is in that position to judge all mankind because in Adam, all mankind, we stand guilty. Um, and so when we think about the judgment, we don't think about it as um, some, uh, some court uh, that we can make an appeal to um, because we feel that we have not been treated right by a person or a party. We make an appeal to an, a judge's ruling and we go to a higher level, let's say to the Supreme Court all the way up there. Uh, the judgment of God in the judgments, uh, the, ju the court of God is not where we have any opportunity to make appeal. It is where verdict is spoken. A verdict and judgment and, and punishment is declared on those who are uh, standing guilty before the judge. And that is, of course, our predicament that we all know that already, if we're true to ourselves anyway. Um, there's a sense in which all of us know that we have not worshipped the Lord as we should, that we might not even worshiping the Lord, uh, period, that we have uh, in, uh, rejected him through unbelief and instead have followed other alternatives that uh, we think are better, perhaps. And so we are faced with the reality of our own demise, our own judgment, our demise meaning that we will, that we will die. Um, all life comes to the end, um, but then the judgment, the Bible says. And so um, every human being has to face up to this reality, whether we like to or not. Um, but God will be on the throne, it says. Um, the throne, what is the throne here? It's a symbol. It's, it's representative of the sovereign power and authority of God. Um, it reminds us of, of a statement in Paul's letter to the Romans. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. So all of creation are the works of his hands and he lays claim on it. It's his and that includes you and me. So the throne 
is that place that's not a court of appeal, but the throne is where judgment is spoken. And then we find, interestingly, not so much part of our preaching text, but it is in our, the text that we've read in verse 4, that uh, John in his vision says, and I saw thrones, plural. And that's why we read, it, read the Daniel 7, of course. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Read that again. And seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Now that sounds strange, because here it sounds as if God is, as it were, sharing that exercise of judgment. And um, that might still instill some kind of fear in us. Uh, are, is, is what I just said um, suddenly uh, being flip-flopped? Uh, I thought uh, you heard me say that God alone is our judge. Yes, but we know from God's word that Jesus tells his own disciples that they will be fellow judges with him in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, I believe. Um, and, in, 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 and when Paul, uh, Paul, the apostle Paul addresses the church in Corinth, when he addresses the fact that they have, for example, lawsuits among one another, uh, he says uh, that, don't you know? I'll look it up for you so you know that I don't just um, say things that are not true. Um, very interesting. Verse uh, uh, 2, verse 1, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare to go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? So there's a real sense, according to God's own word, that the saints are involved in the judgment of the wicked, of the nations. And it's not because we are better than the nations, but it is because we have undergone a change. From being in Adam, we are in the new Adam. We are no longer under condemnation, but we're under grace. We have been uh, justified and made righteous in the eyes of the Lord, and therefore we are the saints of God who will, in the judgment, play a certain role to be sure. When we see the imagery of God in his might and in his power, it made me think of how we today have seriously uh, downsized God's image to one that we can control, maybe, or find more palatable or agreeable to us. Um, and the average church service, and I can't judge that, of course. Uh, I'd have to put my own words under judgment and scrutiny. But is it hopefully true that when you attend a worship service in this place, that you get a sense of the gravity of God, the heaviness, that's the, that's the word in the Hebrew for glory. Uh, when you think of the glory of God, the, the, the meaning is literally that it is heavy with weight. And how have we uh, made God's heaviness um, light, um, insignificant? Uh, uh, how have we downsized the, the heaviness of God, the glory of God, to that proportion that we find more agreeable? Uh, that we have a God who is just more like me. I mean, as like us as humans. 
And in the process, uh, as we have emphasized, that God's love is there, right, of course, and he uh, opens the, the kingdom to all who would come and so forth, have we in the process kind of uh, lost something? And what I'm referring to is this very thing that the one who calls us and says to us, come to me, all you are heavy burden, and I will give you rest, is the one who will judge you too. He's the judge of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. And he calls all mankind into his presence. He has the right to. He has the power to. He made us. I think we've lost that to a degree. It is so powerful and so majestic to stand in the presence of God that the text itself this morning tells us um, that... um, I'll read that again for us as well. Revelation, back to Revelation 20. Then I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled. Fled away. And no place was found for them. What on earth does that mean? Well, Of course, I read my commentaries, but my initial thought before I read the commentaries was more or less confirmed by most of them. And that is to say that when the judgment takes place and the entire creation falls under the judgment because it is under the curse, and when the old creation awaits the new creation, there is no place for the old creation. Because it is associated with the fall, with the brokenness, with the accursedness of the creation, of which we are a part, of course. And so when, when, the, when the heavens and the earth are, as it were, before the throne of God, they flee. Even the creation is afraid, you might say, of the holiness of God. And if that is true, and we see that, of course, illustrated in God's a history with his people. Read Psalm 114. There we see the sea looked and fled. And the follow-up uh, parallel uh, phrase in that same verse 3 is, the Jordan turned back. The Jordan, the sea, in the presence of God, they flee. That's how powerful and majestic and holy and all-glorious the presence of God is. And I am worried and I'm afraid that we have, again, an an image of God that is just more um, pleasant to us. And it has compromised this very real image that we are presented with in God's word, that God is holy. God is thrice holy. He is an awesome God. And it is a fearful thing, Deuteronomy tells us, to fall into the hands of the living God. All creation will bow down before God, we're told. And we can see from Jesus' own ministry, even the devil, even the demons, they will fall down, bow down before him. Remember the passage in Mark chapter 5? And when he saw Jesus from afar, this is a man who was, who was uh, typically uh, in the tombs, 
he was, uh, he was, he was not well in his mind, uh, shall we say. And when he was, Jesus was from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, this man who was demon-possessed said, What have you, the demon speaking through the person, I should say, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And so all creation has no resistance to the might and the power and the dominion and the lordship of the living God. Remember who it is that you serve as Christians. You serve the living God and he will call us all into the judgment. But don't run away yet. We're going to talk about the book of life. Don't worry. But I think it is appropriate that we first recognize the supreme judge who is judge and he is the, has the right to be the judge of all mankind. But secondly, we don't have to worry that this judge is going to be like some of the judges that we know in this world. Um, I've done some traveling. Brenda and I both have done some traveling. We've been in Mexico. Uh, we've been in other places. Um, and uh, I remember very briefly, uh, I remember that I was in Mexico for a summer training session, missions for young people um, in uh, Quintana Roo, that's in the Yucatan area and uh, close to Belize. Um, and I it was a vacation Bible school kind of activity in the park. And it was, I remember one tree in the park and I put my backpack uh, by the tree. And of course, uh, it was then already a problem that I forget things. Uh, so I forgot my backpack that afternoon. And lo and behold, the backpack included my passport and other things. But that passport particularly is what I needed because the next day we were departing and going back to Mexico City. Um, long story short, uh, <laughs> it was found. It was located. A kid, you know, in Mexico, you see these kids who are with these ice cream carts. They are peddlers. You know, they want you to buy their ice cream. Um, I won't go into that. I saw how in Mexico they make ice cream. Uh, <laughs> um, but what did I have to do to get my passport back? I had to go to the police station and give the chief of police a sum of money. Um, you know, there is corruption in some places. The law, uh, law, uh, law and order uh, don't operate uh, everywhere the way it should. I'm not saying that it is always ever uh, perfect here in the United States, uh, but certainly um, uh, count yourself uh, blessed to, you know, to, to, to be part of this society, at least, in that regard. Uh, but even here, we, of course, deal with human beings. So uh, human beings means they're broken, they're fallen, and they're subject to corruption. Um, we, don't have to any, we don't have any fear of that when we consider the supreme judge who is going to judge us because he is perfect. He is flawless. He cannot be cajoled. He cannot be manipulated. He cannot be appeased. Um, you know, the gods of the pagans can be manipulated, can be appeased. The sort of uh, quid pro quo, tit for tat uh, type of events uh, and actions um, that, uh, th that bring about the desired results. Uh, God shows no favoritism. In our country, and I think you see that around the world as well in places, 
uh, when you are in front of a, uh, a court of justice, um, you can see uh, um, Lady Justice, uh, a picture, a statue of, of Lady Justice. And what is characteristic of her? Anybody? She's blindfolded. True justice is not a respecter of persons. You're blind to the person that you see in front of you as a judge. It makes no difference to a true judge who it is that is before you. God, in that sense, is not a respecter of persons. He judges by a single standard. It is not contingent on anything outside himself because the standard is a uh, perfect is, is, is an expression of his own perfection God in his own being doesn't change God in his own being is not capricious God is true God is true in his being and in his decree and in his will and so what is that standard well it's the standard of himself and how is that expressed? By the books. The books that tell all. And when we think about that, we're already kind of getting a little squirmy and we're going to move around in our seats a little bit when we think about the day when we can be possibly um, confronted with all the things that we ever did to someone or that we ever said or uh, that we even thought. But it just goes to show that when we are in the presence of God, when we are judged by his single standard and not by your peers, that you don't have to worry that he is going to make an error, like a clerical error, that he would just uh, come up with the result by which you end up not being in the book of life when you should be. Um, God makes no mistakes in any way at all. And so therefore, the standard is what is recorded of us in the book of life. But there is that other book, isn't there? Uh, the, the, the books and the book of life, excuse me. And the book of life, of course, is where the names are written of all who believe, of all who have trusted in God's word, in God's promises, in Christ the word made flesh. We are judged in Adam according to what we have done. And that reveals only one conclusion. In Adam, according to those books, we stand condemned. We have no hope. We have no alternative. We have no escape route. All of us are judged by the same standard. And so the question, of course, is, what about the book of life? Are you in the book of life? I don't know that. <laughs> you don't know that of others. But I think you should know it of yourself. Because the Holy Spirit tells us that we are the children of God, if he is in us. And how does the Holy Spirit come in us? Through faith in Christ. So I don't want to make things more complicated than they are. We are in the book of life, written in the book of life, that's a decision by God that is the result of God's grace by which we came to faith in Christ. All glory to God. Praise Him.
But that is the truth. Are we in the book of life? That's a beautiful book. And none will be missing. Not one will be missing from the list there. The book of life. Is your name in the book of life? Yes, good. Any more? <laughs> Eternal significance. Eternity is decided every Sunday when people hear the truth. Because the truth sets you free. The gospel judges your heart. And when you respond to the gospel by faith in Christ and his truth and his word and the perfection that he accomplished for us through the cross, your name is written in the book of life. What a comfort, what a joy. It means then that with this single standard of God's justice um, comes the solemn finality of the result of the verdict. You are mine, and I am yours, Lord. Yes, how do you know when you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's kind of a cliche phrase that we have often heard, but I mean it in the serious way it's supposed to be. If you have placed, excuse me, your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have repented of your sin, your unworthiness, unrighteousness, and you have trusted him alone for your salvation, then you are in the list, in the book of life. But have you done that? Um, have you responded to the gospel? Have you repented of your sins? And is that visible in your day-to-day -day living? You know, you can, go to, uh, you can go to an evangelistic meeting and you are a drunkard and you are an unbeliever and uh, that night you hear the gospel and... Uh, despite your uh, inebriation, you might understand what is spoken there and you make a decision to believe in Jesus Christ and then you go on uh, um, happily, but uh, no change, no change. Uh, there's a problem there. If you're a true believer, and pardon me for giving that example, um, uh, don't mean to uh, minimize that uh, at all, uh, it is true of any of us. If we hear the gospel and we believe the gospel, we are set free, no matter who we are. And so the book of life really calls us to, uh, the, the books that are open really uh, prompt us all to ask the question, am I in the book of life? And there's only one way to be in the book of life, through faith in Christ. And through faith in Christ, you stay in the book of life. You don't get in and out, written in and out by the way you live every day. You're called to holiness, absolutely. But it's a result of becoming holy in Christ through faith in him. And that is a permanent condition that we give only God the praise for. Because, again, it is so undeserved. Through faith in Christ, we are accepted as the sons and daughters of the living God. The masses will all come before God in the day of judgment. All the nations, whoever lived, will all come before the living God. May it prompt us to take the gospel into all the world, to tell all the world about Jesus. 
Jesus Christ, Lord and King, who is the judge of all the nations. He is the one who will tell the Father, yes, in those books, all those books that reveal the names of all of us, there is also Fritz Harms. And when you look at his life, he is just like everybody else. He is unworthy. He is unqualified. He is um, a, a sinner in Adam. But the significance of the gospel is, and I'm using human analogy or human illustration here, that across the name of Fritz Harms and you who are in Christ is written another comment, paid in full. Right? Paid in full. We're covered. Our unworthiness, our condemnation is lifted from us, is eradicated completely. And so the sins that are still part of our lives, they bother us because it shouldn't be there, we feel and know. But it doesn't undo the fact that your name is in the book of life and will ever stay there until Jesus comes again. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word once again. Thank you for the book of life. Thank you that it's not just the books that will be opened, but there will also be the book of life opened. And there will be none missing in that book as well. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ, for it is only through him that we even have the possibility of being included in the book of life. But it is also because of him that we are in the book of life, because we are the objects of your grace, of your electing merciful um, grace in Christ Jesus that you placed upon us. While we have no uh, greater merits than anybody else, we are equally unworthy. Nevertheless, in your grace, you came to us with the truth, and that truth set us free when we placed our trust in him. And so, Lord, we pray that for all the rest of the world, certainly. We pray for all men and women everywhere, that they will all come to faith in Christ, that they will all have their sin burden relieved from them and uh, placed at the cross where it is once for all condemned and put to death. And so, Lord, we pray, give us strength of grace to live our lives uh, unto your glory until you come again. We ask this in your name. Amen.